0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Klee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob. I'm hanging out, talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports, as always, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's up, man?
1: Not much. High school sports in Ohio starting to wind down. Just covered the big district wrestling tournament and uh, super pumped for conference tournament week in Division One college basketball. Because it signals the beginning of March Madness, it is finally
0: yep. here. Yes, we are just a week away from from March Madness fully hitting us. Uh, conference tournament starting, as you said, and we'll definitely uh, preview some of the the conference tournaments that have some some ties to our hometown in Cleveland. But uh, we definitely want to focus this podcast with a Cleveland sport to start off. And uh, while spring training in the MLB is underway, the 2017 World Baseball Classic. Uh, the uh, MLB's answer to not being included in the Olympic sports is is about to go, uh, is underway today as we record that the first teams are uh, uh, playing and Team USA is set to play. uh, A little bit later in the week, our Cleveland Indians have sent 11 representatives to various rosters, most notably Andrew Miller pitching for the Americans, Francisco Lindor playing for uh, Puerto Rico, and, and Carlos Santana playing for the Dominican Republic, uh, among uh, eight other uh, players that are under Cleveland Indian control, uh, playing for various uh, teams. Chris, th- there is a stigma, though, with the World Baseball Classic that the participants, particularly the, the MLB participants, um, that this is a disruption uh, in, in their season, especially in their preseason of preparation. Um and particularly uh, a disruption to pitchers uh, that participate in the World Baseball Classic. The Indians are sending Andrew Miller, who is just coming off a, a fantastic postseason uh, and has established himself as, as a, a household name, a, as a relief pitcher, not uh, typically a, a closer, but is one of the most dominant relief pitchers in the game right now. Obviously an asset that the Indians have, that if the Indians are going to chase down a title, Andrew Miller is going to be a big part of it. How concerned are you that Andrew Miller and and the other guys, you know, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Santana certainly are going to contribute big roles on this Cleveland Indians teams. But uh, how worried are you for Andrew Miller uh, that he is going to participate in this World Baseball Classic?
1: Uh, Very. Uh, Andrew Miller in particular. Um, You know, obviously, Carlos Santana, Francisco Lindor, injuries can happen to anyone at any time. But I'm not as worried about position players participating in this thing. Pitchers, however, a whole different animal. Uh, The guy that comes to mind is Dontrell Willis, who looked like he was on his way to being a very dominant pitcher. And then after that World Baseball Classic in 06, he just never was the same. Uh, You know, he had an average year that year, and then the wheels just kind of fell off. Now, I'm not saying, you know, it's cherry-picking to just highlight one guy, but he's the guy that stands out in my mind. What's concerning for me about Andrew Miller is that since 2009, that was the last time he pitched 80 innings, every other year, sub-70 innings for the year, okay? Okay. Last year he pitched 74.1 Namely because they went deep into the postseason And relied on him huge in the postseason uh, Winning that ALCS MVP Pitching in every big moment Uh, They used him a ton in the postseason And so his usage was already up So he had a 7th month to his year now you're adding essentially another seventh month to his year, not even counting the playoffs in 2017. Now I doubt he'll get used as much as he did in the World Series or or the 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 postseason last year. At least I hope that there'll be some responsible um, managing going on with the American team, because quite frankly, I hope the Americans just lose in the first group and don't make it to the next round because I don't want Andrew Miller to be throwing a ton of innings in this thing. It is not as important as its name would imply. Um, And and I'm not trying to bash the world baseball classic, but but the fact of the matter is the world series is more important and especially more important to me as a Cleveland fan. I do not want arguably Cleveland's most valuable reliever and easily most valuable left-handed arm getting uh, thrown out of whack for what is essentially an exhibition tournament.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you a, a lot for, for a lot of your same reasons. It's interesting that you use Dontrell Willis as your example. Uh, with this being a Cleveland podcast, the first name that comes to mind is Vinny Pistano for me. Uh, Vinny Pistano uh, being uh, setting the, the record for holds in, in a season for, for the Cleveland Indians uh, off of his 2012 season uh, between 2011 and 2012 was one of the best setup men uh, in all of baseball goes to the 2013 World Baseball Classic. Uh, and that's where he develops a nagging elbow injury and really hasn't been an effective Major League Baseball pitcher uh, ever since that World Baseball Classic. Um, even in the, the last game that the Americans played in that 2013 World Baseball Classic, uh, Pistano gave up two runs and zero innings pitched um, and, and had what could be amounted to a, a meltdown if you can amount if you would do put weight to those wbc games um and, and that was an elimination game as well they were in the tournament at that point uh so Pistano comes home with a with a nagging elbow injury uh, a loss of confidence and and the wheels just fall off in that 2013 season his era skyrockets he pitches about half the innings that that we're accustomed to seeing him pitching and uh he just falls off the map you know uh, that seems to be the biggest caveat and, and a very strong parallel to Andrew Miller. You know, Pistano was 28 at, at, during that 2013 World Baseball Classic, you know, right in what is supposed to be the prime of a pitcher's career. Andrew Miller's even older. He's 31, uh, and, and he's coming off a, a huge workload in, in 2016 if you count those postseason innings as you alluded to. Uh, there are added measures in the 2017 WBC uh, to protect pitchers because that is a a very large stigma that's uh, associated with this uh, tournament and and if you look even at the American pitching roster at the starting pitchers that are that are the Americans are sending uh, there are some huge names missing uh, Kershaw's not there Verlander's not there Scherzer's not there uh, I think the best pitcher that's going is Chris Archer so a lot of these guys have no interest in participating in this game because there's a the stigma that pitchers um, can can do serious harm to their season uh, if they go to this world baseball classic now the new rules uh, with with the pitcher pool where uh, for each round you can swap in and out uh, two pitchers so you can uh, use even more pitchers during the uh, the tournament that's good and I think that will uh, limits the the usage for some of these guys I hope that Jim Leyland who's managing the, the Americans uh, had a, a very productive conversation with Terry Francona and Francona laid out the usage rules for Andrew Miller. Uh, I hope that Jim Leland doesn't rely on him like he relied, like Francona relied on Miller to, to pitch him through a, a MLB postseason uh, in 2016. Um, I am concerned for Andrew Miller. I do, however, think that um, a, a lot of the stigma around pitchers in the world baseball classic is kind of, more of a myth than 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 a reality there are lots of stats uh and data that shows that it's not as impactful as 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 can be shown but i do think that uh there is potential for a pitcher's season to be ruined if they're pitching in these high leverage stressful games Uh, it might not show through in terms of numbers but it can affect them in in terms of injury or or mental sharpness Uh, I, i just think a pitcher's mind is very frail And to mess with it uh, this early in the MLB season, you know, March preseason, uh, I think it's a very dangerous thing.
1: Bob, a slight correction to the stats I gave earlier. Those were only his regular season numbers, that 74.1. When you factor his high usage in the postseason, he threw 19.1 additional innings for a total of 93.2 innings in 2016. Uh, so even when you factor in his other postseason uh, outings, as brief as they were, he still hadn't cracked 70 total innings in any year since 2009. This was the first year he threw more than 80, and he was over 90 innings. And now you're going to tag on this World Baseball Classic and not give him a full off season to really recover. Yes, I'm very worried, and I'm really glad Jim Leland isn't managing the Tigers anymore. Let's just say that. I'm not that that was a joke, <laughs> obviously uh Jim Leland uh would never do something like that uh so I, I truly believe that that <laughs> that no manager would would nest with another guy's player like that but but it but it eases my conscience a little bit more to know that the Detroit Tigers manager isn't managing this team um but getting yeah, yeah i I get what you're saying you know we we we've picked two examples you know Vinny a one, is a good one Donald Willis is a good one. But again, we, we are kind of cherry-picking there. there. There are other guys who have played in this thing who have come out of it okay. So it's not like every pitcher that comes to the World Baseball Classic is ultimately cursed and falls apart the next year. And hopefully that doesn't happen to Andrew Miller. Uh, hopefully they never get into a save situation. Hopefully they lose twenty to nothing both of their games and get eliminated in the first round. So that way he's never even used. That that would be my ideal World Baseball Classic run. Um, I don't think that's going to happen because Columbia is in their group in Canada and they probably are going to at least advance to pool two. But um, but the, the, the point is, I just don't want him to throw a ton of innings in this thing. I want him to throw a few and maybe like a more high intense spring training or something like that. Uh, I'm going to get really nervous if Andrew Miller throws a lot of innings in the World Baseball Classic because... Uh,
0: th- this guy needs to be saved for when it matters the most. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think the the, the the number of innings pitched doesn't bother me as much as him going out there and pitching in stressful high leverage situations. Um, you know, if he comes home from the, the WBC uh, completely healthy and, and is able to resume his activities uh, in spring training and, and um, you know, into opening day, fine. I think, I think that's a perfect and, and the Indians will be able to manage that and, and build in some some wind down, some rest uh, as the season gets going. Uh, I think that you know there's plenty of room in a 162 game season to you know give Andrew Miller the rest that he needs from the heavy workload he had last year. You can ramp that up a little bit slower, a little bit lengthier than, than what you you wanted to, but y- that you can give him that rest that, that he so deservedly needs. Um, You know the numbers the innings pitched the the number of pitches thrown during the world baseball classic I I don't think that that is something to get too wrapped up around But i'm definitely going to hold my breath every time he he takes the mound worried that, you know uh, Because he's pitching in a high leverage situation. There's the stress of of, you know playing in this tournament and representing your country that you know, he's gonna overthrow uh, do something to his mechanics, pull a muscle, and, and start off his season uh, that is seriously derailed. I, I think that's more a, of a concern than uh, you know p- pitch counting or, or, or worrying about the innings.
1: Right, and I also think that the Indians need to take this opportunity in spring training to really find a left-handed reliever to take some pressure off of Andrew Miller during this season. I think that was one of the biggest reasons he had to get used so much in the regular season is because the Indians didn't have a lefty in their rotation and they didn't have a really reliable lefty in their bullpen other than Andrew Miller, or really until Andrew Miller got there. And so I think some of these guys in spring training who have potential, uh, maybe Kyle Crockett, maybe somebody else, someone has to step up and be that second left-handed arm out of the pen uh, to really just take some of the pressure off of him so that way he is not coming up in every big lefty situation and asked to be either you know one of the key setup men as well I think that that would be hugely beneficial um, if the Indians could find another left-handed arm
0: yeah I also think that we we are confusing postseason Andrew Miller usage with regular season Andrew Miller usage uh, most of his appearances with even with the Indians were either one inning outings or one and a half inning outings, and I think Terry Francona recognizes that he's he's not going to use Miller, uh, like like he used him in the postseason, where he basically relied on, relied on him to to pitch half of a game and close it out uh, in certain situations. I, I think he's going to go back to only using him for one inning at a time. Maybe you know start off half an inning and then close out the the, the next inning. I I think that we are confusing that a little bit, and that's not really much of a worry, but um, you know, after we saw what he can do in the postseason, obviously he is so valuable and so talented that he can be used in such a unique situation. Uh, it's easy to to worry about him being 100% healthy and able to pitch in those high leverage games.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. He's not going to pitch 19.1 innings in 10 games in the regular season over any 10 game stretch in the regular season. Uh, you'll be lucky if he pitches more than an inning per game uh, on average in the regular season. So I, I agree with you 100% there, Bob. Uh, Terry Francona knows how to manage the bullpen. He's one. Of the, he is one of, if not the best manager in baseball right now. He is certainly going to make sure that all these guys, Cody Allen, uh, Andrew Miller, are going to be on a very controlled timetable um, and they, their innings will be managed throughout the season, and that's that's the strength of having such a deep bullpen. Uh, they have two guys who could legitimately close, and in, in Allen and Miller, and they have some other hammers as setup men out of the pen as well. So very good, very good, very deep bullpen, uh, and I think that they will all take the pressure off of one another from a usage standpoint.
0: Well, certainly, uh, we are both obviously concerned about mr miller's health and that's just because we want to see him pitch uh more so in october than in march in these high leverage games i like the idea of the world baseball classic i think it's unfortunate that starts in spring training that that puts the americans at a serious disadvantage uh and just doesn't make it very enjoyable to watch but i'll I'll certainly tune in as i can um but uh, my main goal is anytime i see a cleveland indian come up to the plate or go to the mound i'm gonna have my fingers crossed that Uh, it only ends uh, in good health for them. Um, Turning to the news, though, the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, are one step closer to being uh, at full strength and a a renewed team. Uh, We talked a little bit about Andrew Bogut joining the Cavs potentially last week. Uh, That deal has become official. He will be joining the Cleveland Cavaliers, Um, not yet appeared in a game and is not set to appear in tonight's game against the Miami Heat Uh, because Andrew Bogut is apparently dealing with a visa issue, but he will be joining the Cavs very shortly. Uh, Chris, this is a bona fide seven-footer, rim protector, rebounder, uh, fit another hole that the Cavs had that they filled uh, without making a trade. Uh, How excited are you for Andrew Bogut joining the Cavs roster, and what does this mean uh, for the roster as they make the postseason push?
1: It means LeBron James needs to stop tweeting about the roster, bottom line. I mean, Andrew Bogut... Darren Williams, Andrew Bogut, and then the sweet value styling of Derek Williams to round this thing out and then essentially trading nothing for Kyle Korver. I mean, you've added four guys who... Honestly, if you start them on the floor with LeBron that could probably get you the eighth seed in the east in and of itself And that's just your second unit So the the fact of the matter is the Cavs have drastically improved their roster as the year has gone on Uh, Kevin Love and J.R. Smith both still getting back to health, but when they do I mean you're going to have some good problems on your hands uh, deciding between too much depth as opposed to in 2015 when you had to pull guys off the street just to fill out an NBA Finals roster because it was so banged up. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is a fantastic signing. I think it definitely fills a need. And, Bob, remember, last NBA Finals, Andrew Bogut gets hurt in Game 5. That's the overshadowed—that that got overshadowed by all the Drain, Draymond Green stuff, to tell you the truth, because if Green, if Green doesn't get suspended, I think they win in 5, but more importantly, Andrew Bogut doesn't get hurt And that changed the dynamics of the rebounding advantage in this series because you you saw the Cavs start to assert themselves a little bit more on the glass and Bogut at least could keep them contained a little bit. And I I really think that Andrew Bogut's injury swung the series just as much as Draymond Green's suspension. Uh, So you're talking about a guy who a year ago... Was one of the most important pieces on the Golden State Warriors, or a very important piece? Maybe not one of the most important pieces, but a very important piece. And now he's on the Cavs. I think that's a huge win. Yeah,
0: I I do too. I think, uh, it, it Andrew Bogut is not going to win the title for for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think they would have been fine without making this move. But Andrew Bogut and the addition of Darren Williams now uh, solidifying that second unit. Uh, They have a lineup to go against any team in the NBA. They can go big with Andrew Bogut protecting the rim. Uh, They can, if they need more defense uh, and passing at the point, they can have Darren Williams at the point and put Kyrie at the two if they still need Kyrie's superstar ability on the court. Uh, They have so many possibilities. And if you look at their 10-man rotation, they have guys – uh, that have such unique skill sets that can do one thing or two things better than anybody else on that team And I think it just gives them so much more versatility bringing in a guy like Andrew Bogut uh, the, a one true rim protector that that the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, Haven't had since Timothy Moskov was on on the roster. I mean Birdman was supposed to be that but uh, you know, Birdman Andrew Bogut is certainly better than Birdman and, and has been for for a while so I think this is a definite upgrade and and just only goes to show uh, how set these Cavs are uh, to make a postseason run. I think it'll be really exciting to see some of the unique, interesting, creative lineups that that are going to be thrown out uh, in the final month and a half of of the NBA regular season. Um, I'm pretty excited for this roster. I think it's the most complete uh, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers roster that we've seen uh, since LeBron has returned uh, to Cleveland.
1: Yeah, that's saying something because here's the thing: we we I rattled off that second unit, I didn't even mention Richard Jefferson or Channing Fry, I mean, that's eleven deep there, Bob. That that's pretty crazy. Um, so you know, great great stuff's happening in Cleveland, and and it's exciting to see a team uh, have such a strong chance at defending a championship. I mean, Bob, did you ever think we'd say those words, defending a championship? Uh, it, yeah. it it really is exciting, and uh, all I can do is just hope that that nothing nothing bad happens bad luck wise. You know, if 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 we get to the finals and another team beats us, fine. But but as long as there's no like not, not like 2015 where where they just fell apart due to some bad luck injuries. Um, that that was a terrible way to lose. I, I would rather lose at full strength, and it's like you know what you can, you can stomach it. It still hurts, but you can stomach it. 2015 still has a sour taste in my mouth because there's that what if if Kyrie and Love were healthy what if because they played the Warriors so so close in that series that who knows what would have happened
0: yeah it's hard to well I I do feel greedy thinking about 2015 when we are coming off a a championship but I I agree with you I think there's there are some big what if questions uh, about that 2015 season um, we thought that the Warriors might have to go through that what-if uh, and feel that the pain that we felt two years ago uh, when Zaza Pachulia landed on Kevin Durant awkwardly a few games ago. Uh, Durant ends up leaving that game. Uh, there were rumors flying around that night, that morning, that this was a, a very serious injury, possibly a tear to his knee. Turns out it's just a sprain in his MCL and, and a bone bruise. Uh, timetable Durant's out for about four weeks from that injury. Warriors go on to lose two games in a row the first time they've lost two in a row in a regular season I think uh, two and a half years or something like that a a crazy record was broken uh, once Durant went down Uh, they did bounce back and beat the Knicks uh, over the weekend but Chris Durant uh, out for four weeks uh, what what were your thoughts on that I mean that that could have had huge ramifications if he were to miss uh, a more extended period of time but only four weeks doesn't seem to be that bad.
1: Nothing cures a losing streak like the Knicks, doesn't it, Bob? Knicks and the Nets. If you're on a losing streak, those are the teams you want on your schedule. But, but to answer your question, man, that almost sent an earthquake throughout the NBA because, you know, a lot of people say the Warriors would be fine without Kevin Durant. I disagree. You know, the Warriors of last year were built around three stars and depth they sacrificed some of that depth to get Kevin Durant. They are a different team this year. They imp- I mean when anytime you add Kevin Durant to that core, yes, you are more deadly. But you are now more reliant on your core than you are your depth. And I do think that that Kevin Durant not playing for this team would have drastically altered the complexion of the Western Conference playoffs. I, I still would have picked Golden State to get to the finals. But I don't think they would have been a shoe in to get to the finals because I think teams like the Spurs and teams like the Clippers and maybe even the Rockets would have had definitely a better chance at beating them, specifically the Spurs. Because now that matchup gets a little bit better for San Antonio because now Kawhi Leonard doesn't have to guard Kevin Durant or worry about Kevin Durant and... That, that would have really changed things in that series. Now, it looks like Kevin Durant will be back for the playoffs all as well. And honestly, Bob, I didn't want Kevin Durant to be hurt. I don't want anyone on Golden State, any of their big four or big-time contributors to get hurt. I want them at full strength because I want the Cavs to beat them at full strength so they have no excuses. None. I want, I want a clean final.
0: Yeah, that's that's very optimistic thinking on, on your part. Um, I, on me, I, I feel really bad uh, feeling this feeling when I heard that Kevin Durant got hurt. But I think that was the, and I, again, I do feel so bad about this, but it was the happiest I've felt about an injury ever <laughs> in sports just because I, 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 it's really hard still, uh, you know, almost to completion of a whole NBA regular season that, to, to fathom that Kevin Durant is on the Warriors still. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of hard to believe still, um, and it, it it makes me mad. It makes me jealous. It, I feel a lot of feelings, so I I did take some enjoyment in that injury, and I, I I'm I am a terrible person for feeling that I know, uh, but I, there was some some happiness that that I felt there. Uh, Chris, I'll take a championship in any way possible. No championship in any sport has been won. Uh, 100% fair and square. Injuries are part of the game. It happens in every NBA regular season from Andrew Bogut, as we alluded to last year, to our 2015 Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, And we can go uh, on down the list to to NBA titles that have been built on other teams being hurt and and a team being more healthy than the other. So I I really don't care. I I don't care. As long as the Cavs are hoisting that that trophy, it's legitimate. Uh, It's optimistic of you. To, to to beat the Warriors at full strength, but if they're limping into the playoffs and, and limp into the into the NBA Finals, uh, I'll take it because well, I, I I I just want titles, man.
1: Bob, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. There there is no such thing as a tainted title in this regard because you know there are injuries that happen every postseason in every sport that affect the outcome of the playoffs. You you are never going to have a perfectly clean postseason I I certainly understand that but there are different degrees of injuries for instance Derrick Rose getting hurt in the first round and getting bounced by an eight seed a little bit more significant than say even the Andrew Bogut injury in the 2016 final while significant I don't think anyone is saying that that is the reason Golden State lost unlike in 2015 where the Cavs are down two superstars I mean, people are saying that's the reason they lost, and it really is. I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses for the Cavs or taint the Warriors' titles because I don't believe that title is tainted by the Golden State Warriors. They want it fair and square. Injuries are part of the game, but I think more people will prop up that 2015 final as, okay, maybe the Cavs would have won if they had those guys. I mean, I think Andrew Bogut swung the final. I just said that, but I honestly don't think Andrew Bogut is the kind of player who definitively swung the final. I mean Cleveland still could have easily won those games with him there. I don't know if Golden State still would have won the championship if Irving and Love are both 100%. They certainly could have, but it but it completely changes the complexity of the final. So, while I understand what you're saying, no title is ever tainted and I'm not trying to say that. There are different degrees of injuries and a Warriors without a Kevin Durant is a much more impactful excuse. Kind of what if injury than the warriors say without zaza pachulia, I, I still think that, okay, yeah, you didn't have Zaza, but you had your big four, you still could have won the title. no Kevin Durant that's that's a what if that that becomes a what if
0: yeah, and i I don't care <laughs> I, and I'll I don't take, care I'll either but
1: but I, I'm just saying that there, there are different degrees of of injuries there some rise to the level of what if and others say, okay, that's just unfortunate.
0: I get, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I understand that. Well, um, definitely, obviously NBA basketball is only going to get more intense as we head into the postseason. season. We will keep you posted with how the calves adjust with their, their new toys and Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut and get back some old friends and Jr. Smith and Kevin love. Um, but we will turn our eyes to the Cleveland Browns. We talked about the NFL combine and what we should expect from them, uh, in our previous podcast, Chris is a relatively quiet combine. I don't know if if they're ever exciting or loud combines, uh, you know, Ruben Foster got sent home. I read about that, um, by all accounts, Miles Garrett and Deshaun Watson had really good interviews with the Cleveland Browns. Um, I, I didn't really hear a whole lot of news about, uh, the Browns involvement at the NFL combine. Um, any takeaways that, that you heard from, from the week?
1: Uh, Yeah, the takeaway is that Miles Garrett is a freak. Um, I'm looking at his 40 times (laughs) here. Uh, uh, 4.64, I mean, that's a defensive end. The dude's like 275 pounds. Look, uh, I'm not advocating that the Browns take him or anything. I'm still undecided at what the Browns should do. I really want to see what they do in free agency first. But the fact of the matter is, Bob... uh, I don't care where you stand on Miles Garrett, draft him or not, you've gotta be impressed by some of these numbers you're seeing out of the combine. And and I'm the first guy to say that the combine numbers are probably more meaningless than your actual game film. But man, Bob, I mean, the the guy is just such a freak athlete. It's it's hard not to be tempted to pick him at number one overall.
0: Oh yeah, no doubt. And I don't uh, I hope that uh my previous comments on the NFL draft Uh, aren't being construed to to me doubting what Miles Garrett can do in the NFL. I just think that there might be that draft pick could be utilized in a more impactful way on this Cleveland Browns roster at a different position. Um, But Miles Garrett certainly looks like he's going to be a a solid contributor in the NFL, a potential star for sure. Um, Speaking of free agency and monitoring the Browns news, uh, we are on the eve of the quote legal tampering period that starts march 7th (laughs) legal tampering
1: Uh, (laughs) period that is an oxymoron
0: (laughs) yeah uh, so from between march 7th and march 9th nfl teams can negotiate contracts with uh, potential unrestricted free agents Uh, they aren't able to sign until free agency officially opens uh, 4 p.m eastern time on march 9th uh, so free agency is right upon us. Chris, the Cleveland Browns enter free agency with a fat wallet over $105 million in cap space to spend Uh They, they, they have to spend some of it. There is a cap floor. Chris, if you could have a pick of the litter and the Browns certainly could make an offer to get the pick of the litter. Uh, who, who do you want uh, in this NFL free agency class?
1: Well, Okay, so technically he's not part of the free agency class yet. And there's been a lot of drama as to whether or not he will be part of the free agency class. Personally, I don't understand why. Well, no, I get it, money. But I think the guy is pretty good. The Buffalo Bills might actually release Tyrod Taylor, which is a little befuddling to me. If he's on the market, I want him. I'm sorry. I want him on the Browns. I think he would be a good quarterback for three years while you could build up the team and then maybe draft a quarterback later in the draft, like a Derek Carr or Teddy Bridgewater type guy who could come in and be and take this team to the next level. But if Tyrod Taylor's on the market, I want him. Go after him. Get him in here because I think he can play. I don't know if he's a true kind of franchise quarterback. I don't know if he's an elite quarterback. But I think he is definitely a good enough quarterback to get your team to the playoffs and give you some you know, fun, entertaining football, or at least give something sort of stability for this Browns team while they build everything up around them. Um, and, and, and honestly, who knows? I mean, he's only been in Buffalo for a couple of years. So the fact of the matter is I want Tyrod Taylor. If he's on the free agent market, I think he would be a great addition to this roster.
0: Oh man. I, I, I would uh, be doing dances if they land a guy like Tyrod Taylor, or not a guy like Tyrod Taylor, if they land Tyrod Taylor, uh, Previous two seasons with Buffalo over three thousand yards passing, uh, twenty touchdown passes. His first year seventeen touchdown passes in twenty sixteen. Both seasons over five hundred yards rushing and multiple touchdown rushes. Uh, I believe in, in Hugh Jackson and and what he can do with a quarterback in unique but limited skill sets. See a guy like Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. Um, I, I would be really intrigued and excited to, to have Tyrod Taylor on this roster. And then as we just alluded to that frees up all the pressure to go in on Miles Garrett at number one, I think that'd be a fantastic move. I'm, I'm all in on that. Uh, coincidentally, I am, uh, you know, I didn't consider Tyrod Taylor cause he's not yet an unrestricted free agent. My guy is also a soon to be former Buffalo bill. That's Stefan Gilmore, uh, this lockdown cornerback, um, you know, has size and strength and speed. He's only 26 years old, uh, 12 passes deflected in five interceptions in 2016, 18 passes deflected and three interceptions in 2015. This guy's the real deal. I don't know if Joe Hayden can be the number one corner right now. Uh, he's going to command a a, a very high price uh, on the open market. But like I said, uh, introducing this, this news bit, the Cleveland Browns' price is not an issue right now. They have to spend money. They have a ton of money to spend. Stefan Gilmore is you know, not even technically entering the prime of his career. He still has room to grow uh, and has proven to be a number one lockdown corner guy, which the Browns certainly need. Their secondary was a disaster last year. Uh, I'm all in on him. I think if they get Tyrod and Stephon Gilmore, that would be a coup for the Browns.
1: I'd be doing cartwheels. Uh, Bob, that's a very good pick. They, de- they need desperate help in the secondary, and Gilmore could— maybe even slide Joe Hayden to the number 2 corner i i don't know about i mean certainly this state of hayden's career uh he would and, and i think that would be a solid secondary if hayden is is healthy enough to stay on the field for a full year uh, i do, i still don't think he's fully recovered from that injury play season he had a couple of years back um but but the going back to Tyrod Taylor yeah i know i kind of cheated a little bit and it's been a weird kind of drama in Buffalo. Will they release him? Will they not? The most recent report by Jason LaCanfora on March 5 said that they have decided to release him before the, his roster bonus is due. Uh, and and the other report is that the Browns have significant interest in Taylor. Uh, that's also according to uh, Jason Lockenfora. So certainly good signs right there. But Bob, Bob, I think you and I are on the same page with this. If you can get a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, put him with New Jackson, and then spend your number one pick on a de- one of those two, either defensive end from you know Texas A&M or defensive lineman from uh, Alabama, one of those two big defensive players. I, I think that would be a very, very desirable situation.
0: yeah, i I think you know, addressing the quarterback position in the open free agency market with a guy as talented as Tyrod Taylor would would certainly free up uh, the burden in the NFL draft where, like you said, you can go in on some uh, some of the more. you can trust your draft board. You don't have to put weight to the quarterback and just take the best player available because uh, the Browns need help at every single position. There's not one where I would be upset where, where they address. Maybe if they go in at wide receiver at number one, I would be like, what are you doing? But even then, I mean, the, Terrell Pryor is a free agent. I mean, they, they, need, they have needs everywhere. So I, I can't argue with them addressing any position, and hopefully free agency they are able to uh, kind of determine their focus in the draft and uh, are able to address some, some key needs uh, with some key talent. Uh, in free agency leading into that draft.
1: Yeah, and, and this is this is why all offseason I've been saying I want to see what the Browns do in free agency because there have been some bubblings at the quarterback position with other teams. A guy like Taylor slides on the market. I want to see if they go after a quarterback or if they sign a guy like Tyrod Taylor. And, and if they do that, uh, it sends a very clear signal that they're probably not going to draft the guy number one overall. They could still take a quarterback later, but if they sign a quarterback of Taylor's caliber on the free agent market, uh, I, it would just be a waste of resources to draft another one, quarterback number one overall, in my opinion.
0: Certainly, definitely. Well, we will uh, hopefully have some news uh, to to some results to talk about next week uh, with the Cleveland Browns and NFL free agency. Uh, free agency moves pretty fast in, in the NFL, and there will be a lot of a lot of money spent, a lot of big deals, and obviously with the cash the Browns have, uh, they will be key players in that free agency market uh, but turning to the college ranks uh, this is conference tournaments, basketball week uh, determining some seatings and some invites to the ncaa tournament uh, the gateway to march madness if you will um, we have a couple hometown uh, conference tournament brackets to, to go over the horizon league the mac tournament and the big 10 conference tournament set to start later in the week Um, Chris, let's start with the Horizon League because this is one that you and I both really have no clue about. Um, But it does include some some Ohio teams. Um, Who who do you like to, to win this conference tournament?
1: It's been a bloodbath, man. The number one seed, Oakland, gone, ousted by Youngstown State. The number two seed, Valparaiso, a tournament stalwart. They've been in the tournament a bit. Gone, ousted by 10-seed Milwaukee. Green Bay, you think they got a shot because they're the three-seed? Gone, ousted by six-seed UIC. And even in the wild card round, the uh, Cleveland State Vikings were ousted by the Penguins and Milwaukee ousted Detroit, the Vikings and uh, Detroit. We're both uh, higher seeds in that round. So it has been chaotic. The only higher seed to win its game, Northern Kentucky over Wright State, a 4-5 game. So hardly a, you know, 4-5 you know, is always kind of a toss-up game. But yeah, right now, Northern Kentucky is your Horizon League favorite. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Penguins because the Youngstown State Penguins have a penguin for a mascot, and I think that is totally cool. So... Go YSU, get to the NCAA tournament. That would be great. <laughs> it's
0: hard to argue with the Penguin, uh, for sure. You know, I'm trying to figure out how I'm gonna pick this bracket. Um, I've I've been to Youngstown State. I've been to Northern Kentucky. I haven't been to the other two schools. Uh, I, I'm going Youngstown State just because continuing the upset trend. I, I guess they'll win the Horizon League, sure.
1: Bob, if Northern Kentucky doesn't win this conference, the next best record of the teams remaining is. 14 and 17. Milwaukee is 9 and 23, and (laughs) Youngstown State is 12 and 20.
0: Yeah, I wonder how some of those bubble teams will feel about that.
1: Uh, All I can say is, if Northern Kentucky loses, those other three teams better just book their flights to Dayton because they're going to the first four.
0: That's funny. All right, well, what about the Mech? We got Akron, Ball State, Ohio, and Buffalo and some games to play to determine uh, who they're going to play in the quarterfinals.
1: See, Bob, I got a little bit of a stat bomb for you. Akron is the number one seed. Akron has had a very strong basketball program for really as long as I can remember ever since Dan Broke got there. Uh, As you know, Keith D'Ambrute, coach St. Vincent St. Mary, coach LeBron James, took the job for Akron during LeBron's senior year or junior year or something like that, and uh, has been there ever since. So they've been strong and consistent for a long time. They've only won this tournament, though, three times, 2009, 2011, and 2013. It has been four years since they have won the tournament, and number one seeds generally don't do great in this tournament. So I am going to throw a bit of a curveball. I am going to go with the Ohio ohio bobcats
0: i mean that seems uh, fairly reasonable um i'm sticking with akron they seem to have been the, the dominant team this year in the mac uh have shown some weaknesses uh in the le- second half of the season with conference play but I, I think they'll push through i think they are primed to to win this tournament and, and go to the go to the big show
1: and by the way, even though I went to Kent State, I have nothing. I honestly have nothing against Akron. I like seeing the Ohio teams from the MAC succeed generally. So, really, as long as an Ohio team wins the MAC, I'm fine.
0: Yeah, and there'll be they are there are uh, lots of potential Ohio teams entering this bracket. We have a lot playing tonight uh, to get into that quarterfinal. Um, and then finally, the the Big Ten tournament uh, has yet to start. Uh, the first playing games that first in round, that first round will start Wednesday, and then uh, the quarterfinals starting this weekend. Uh, Chris, who do you like in that one?
1: Well, I don't like Ohio State. Uh, they get Rutgers in the first <laughs> round. They're the 11 seed. Uh, they got to win five games in five days to win this thing, and uh, I'm just gonna take the no on that. They got to get through some tough teams uh, just to get to the final, much less to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Bob, these tournaments I don't get as excited for because most of these teams have linked, locked up bids anyway. But I think it would be cool to see Northwestern punch its ticket to the tournament on a uh, automatic bid. Not have to sweat it out on Selection Sunday. They have never been to the NCAA tournament that is unbelievable I I still cannot believe that a Big Ten program has that hanging over its head so I hope Northwestern wins this tournament unless of course Ohio State pulls a miracle run but I don't think that's going to happen uh so I think Northwestern will ride the lightning and leave no drama and punch an automatic bid to the tournament
0: so that implies that uh if Ohio State wins that first round, they're out in the second round because uh, whoever wins that first round game goes to Northwestern. Uh, well, yeah, so but I, I, probably I mean, not. A-
1: <laughs> I don't think Ohio State's going to win this thing. Even if they beat yeah, know, Northwestern, I know, I they're just, not going. I don't think they're going to win this thing. So it doesn't matter.
0: I, I got you. I'm just highlighting the, the the pessimism you have for the Buckeyes in this tournament. No. Um, I'm sticking with the big guns. I I, I like Wisconsin. I, I always have. I, I think i haven't watched a whole lot of college basketball this year but i think i've watched two wisconsin basketball games not intentionally but it just happened to be on they seem to be a good team uh you know they they got some good seniors in happen and koenig so uh i'm going with them uh they aren't the highest ranked team uh in the big 10 right now maybe they they want to uh push that that ranking up that seating up but um, I, I don't know. Like you said, a lot of those top teams uh, seem to already have a place in the tournament, so um, maybe they won't be as motivated. But I, th- I do think the Badgers want something to prove in this one.
1: One thing I will say, though, the Big Ten has been a down league this year. I don't think there's a very top-heavy favorite. There There isn't much at the top, which opens itself up to maybe being a bid-stealing league. So it could be interesting to see if someone... Um, maybe like in the Iowa Indiana range could catch fire, or or maybe maybe even Ohio State. But five games in five days is brutal. I, I just I I don't think they're going to do it. They they've just been too inconsistent. But but like I said, Big Ten not very top heavy this year. So certainly uh, could be intriguing if if a team catches fire.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think uh, Big Ten with, with its lack of. Uh, you know figuring out who's who's on top it definitely lends to a more exciting conference tournament than usual so it'll definitely be interested to uh to keep track of that for sure and then going to d3 for you uh your alumni worcester Scots uh in the division three tournament uh set to appear uh, at the sweet 16 chris you have to be excited for that
1: well, they would have been had they had they won. Uh, this this is the Sweet 16 for Division three. Unfortunately, they were knocked out in the first round by North Central, a school in Illinois, uh, 77 to 72. Uh, it's the first time they've lost in the first round since I believe 2008. So, uh, w- nice streak for them there. They also were making their 15th straight NCAA tournament appearance, which is a Division three record. And uh, one of the best in the nation uh, behind a couple of Division I programs like Kansas, Duke, Michigan State, Gonzaga, and then University of Wisconsin are the only five schools in all of NCAA basketball to have longer consecutive consecutive qualification streaks than the Scots. Obviously, Division I, a little bit different. But 26th uh, appearance overall, that's the third most in Division three if they can get one next year they will tie their arch rival wittenberg for 27 uh the record is 28 which the university of scranton uh broke actually they were in a tie with wittenberg going into this year they qualified this year as well so scranton finding Scots, great run they started off six and six they finished 21 and eight so uh certainly got things together uh I, they needed to win their conference tournament to qualify too because uh the team they beat in the final did not make it. They were one of the last teams out. And uh end of the day, man, I mean it's just a very consistent division three program. Awesome. If you haven't gone to a College of Worcester Fighting Scots game, I do highly recommend it because it is a good time, even though it's division three ball, there are games, especially when Wittenberg rolls in the town, feels like a division one atmosphere. Uh very, very, very
0: fun. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I it has been fun to go to those um, all right, well that that's the news uh, for for our hometown sports. Um, Chris, what is the headline that that you want to see in this upcoming week?
1: Well, I mentioned that I wanted the Browns to sign a quarterback, but I, that quarterback is Tyrod Taylor. The headline I want to see is: Report: Browns have no interest in signing Mike Glennon. Uh, I do not <laughs> understand what the hype surrounding Mike Glennon is. A report out there said Tampa Bay was going to make him the highest paid backup quarterback in the NFL at about $7 million per just to back up Jameis Winston. Uh, look, I'm not saying Mike Glennon, well, I actually kind of am. I don't think he is a viable like long-term starter. I think Tyrod Taylor could be. I don't want the Browns going anywhere near Mike Glennon unless it's for like $2 million as a backup quarterback.
0: Yeah, highest paid backup, that would make him uh, paid more than Chase Daniels in, in Philly, which would be more than $7 million a year. Uh, I read a report today that uh, people are projecting that he's going to come in about $15 to $16 million a year uh, on the open market, which is right
1: he's played a little like, bit
0: less than what Brock Osweiler got uh, last season.
1: He's played like four games. In I mean, I don't understand <laughs> what more, the height is. He's got
0: more than four games.
1: I know he's played more than more
0: than that, but I'm saying he's played four good games. <laughs> I'm not, I'm I just not don't arguing get in the favor height. of my Glennon. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't understand it either. Um, but there apparently uh there are things on his game tape which is about twice as long as Brock Osweiler's that um scouts like or teams like. I don't I don't get it either. I'm not a fan. I don't want the Browns to come near him. Um and I'm I, obviously we're we're more tyrod taylor fans uh on this podcast for sure Uh, my headline um don't get your hopes up but this is my wishful thinking headline uh cleveland browns wide receiver josh gordon announces that he's sober and is going to live with hugh jackson for the next couple of years (laughs) i think that's the (laughs) i think that's the only way uh He's sticking around with the Browns, even if he is reinstated. He did apply for reinstatement this or is set to apply for reinstatement this uh, uh, in, in the coming future. Um, but I, I don't see any future with him in Cleveland. Uh, that is unless he lives with Hugh Jackson. I think that's the only way for him to stick around.
1: This reminds me of like 2009 when both Manny Ramirez and uh, Mark Teixeira got traded. And for a while, they were both living with um, Scott Boris. In his house, right. it's like I, I would love to have seen that dynamic right there because that's just like a reality yeah. show waiting to happen.
0: <laughs> I mean, and it's Texas with the Angels and, and Manny was with the Dodgers too. It's not like they're on the same team. That, that's that would have been hilarious.
1: Oh, I mean, and it's just Manny Ramirez. <laughs> I mean, it's just three completely different personalities. It would have been fantastic, um, but yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I don't think yours is going to come true. I, I hope mine comes true, uh, even if it's not a headline. I, I really don't want them to sign Mike Lennon.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that for sure.
1: All righty, man. We have packed a ton into this podcast, a lot of college hoops. We're going to have more college hoops next week because the bracket comes out and everyone is excited for March Madness. We, of course, will be making our picks and talking more Cleveland sports next week on Clee Talk. But until then, you can catch up on old episodes at finleyroadsports.com. Please click in that little corn icon in the corner. Subscribe to us on iTunes, or you can search for Finley Road Sports via iTunes and click Klee Talk. We appreciate your support, and we will be back next week with another episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Finley Road Sports or Instagram at Finley Road Sports. But until then, go Cavs! And you know what? I'm just gonna say. it. Go Buckeyes! Maybe the miracle will happen. Maybe, maybe.
0: No, no. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. I- I- I'll see you soon, Chris. Go Cavs.
1: We we won't see about it, Bob. They're they're not gonna win. <laughs>